0: Hey, good morning, guys. Um, for those of you I don't I don't know, my name's Chris Pletcher. I am on staff, one of the uh, pastors here on staff at Antioch. And um, man, these mornings are, first of all, I just want to honor our amazing team that is here pulling these mornings off. You see about a, a third of them or a, or a quarter of them up here leading worship or facilitating, but just have some amazing people behind the scenes, behind the camera and all that stuff that have really laid their lives down to help us adjust to this season, um, but uh, as amazing as this room still is, even just with, you know, 12 or 15 of us in here, it's still a rich um, a rich thing for us on Sunday mornings. It's very obvious that you are not here, um, and we miss you guys, and I think one of the things this season has done has um, just shown us how wired we are in our core for fellowship. I think that it, in one way or another, it's become obvious that... Um, that we need to be together. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, I am with them in an increased way. I'm with them in a significant way. So we're really thankful that there's light at the end of the tunnel, um, and we're starting to kind of look into into a new season here. But before, before I dive in this morning, there's another group that I wanted to honor today, and that is our life group leaders. And Um, If you are a college or uh, a youth leader or a young adult or family's own life group leader, just thank you guys for laying down your lives in this season. Um, I feel like we have all been personally navigating these times, but our life group leaders on top of walking through their own journey or have also been going, man, how can I help others walk through this journey as well? And how can I stay connected and reach out? And so for everything you've done Um, Just we honor you and I want to say if you're a part of one of these life groups um, the general consensus from most leaders during this season is I don't know what i'm doing and I don't feel like i'm doing a good job So if you have been blessed or encouraged by one of your life group leaders Just take a moment today to shoot him a text message and say hey, thank you so much for for what you do Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Thanks for checking in on me. Thanks for you know pulling us together on zoom life groups or whatever just Shoot an encouragement, but really want to thank all you guys across the board, college, uh, youth, uh, young adult, and family. Really, really love you guys. And um, as Tyler mentioned, we're going to um, come into a couple-week series here called Emerging with Hope. And I really just want to kick off this morning by asking the question, what are you hopeful for? Like, like right now, today, Sunday morning, May 17th, what are you hopeful for? What are you looking forward to? What are you expecting about? And I think for some of us, um, we're hopeful for the freedom to see friends and family again, to return to some tor- t- some type of uh, like normal fellowship with people. I think for a lot of us, we're hopeful for the freedom to gather again uh, in person as a community. Some of our desires and our hopes might be a little bit more simple. Maybe we're just hopeful for our favorite coffee shop to reopen so we can get back to Um, you know, our lattes and cappuccinos and and hanging out and doing our work in in coffee shops. Um, Maybe, you know, like me, you're just hopeful for your first post-quarantine haircut. I mean, guys, come on, let's be honest, you know. There's plenty of us that have just kind of had to let it go here in the last couple of months, but hope at its core is forward-looking. It is a future expectation. The biblical hope is a confident expectation that good is on the horizon it's a confident expectation so what are we hopeful for where is our future confidence in these days and I think that um, uh, Psalm twenty-seven seventeen is uh, just captures I think biblical hope and he says that I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living I think that that captures the heart of hope. And as we dive into this series and we talk for the next couple of weeks about emerging with hope, we, this morning we actually feel like God is inviting us to look backwards for a moment because I really do believe that our ability to look forward with confidence, our ability to look forward with hopeful expectation sometimes is dependent upon our ability to discern what God has been doing to discern what what he has been working in this season so that we can really grab and receive all of what he's intended for us in this time and then emerge with hope. So as we look back on the last couple of months, um, I'm sure you would use a lot of different words to describe what it has felt like for you. And I actually got some help from some of my friends and said, hey, just help me out share two words that describe what the last couple months have been like for you and um, I got all kinds of feedback really on both ends of the spectrum really the positive and encouraging side to the the hard and, and painful we'll start on the positive first some some said the season was needed it has been a, a time to pull back it's led to restoration with my family it's been a season that's helped me put first things first and re just reset my priorities. Some of you said it's just been a season of growth. It's been a season of depth. It's been formative in my life. It's been a season of restoration and refreshment and restful. So if this quarantine season has been those things for you, praise God that he's met us in this time of Sabbath. He's met you in in some of those really refreshing and restorative ways. A lot of us Though, are on the other end of the spectrum. And many of the words that were used to describe these past two months, um, uh, many uh, lot, words like stretching, exhausting, emotional, refining, painful, puzzling, pressing, intense, chaotic. Um, and a, de- a dear friend, bless her heart, I asked for two words. She just said, very bad, (laughs) you know, and, you know, it's, we have to be honest, for many of us, this has been a very uncomfortable um, couple of months, and it has been puzzling and pressing and stretching. One of the words for me that has floated to the surface here recently, and what I want to talk about this morning, is the word wilderness. Now, I want to clarify what kind of wilderness I'm talking about, because uh, biblically, there's actually different kinds. We, sometimes we hear the word wilderness and our mind just kind of goes to one idea. But, but actually, I believe there's a difference between an Old Testament wilderness and a New Testament wilderness. Because in the Old Testament, the wilderness lasts 40 years and they were usually the result of some kind of disobedience. I'm not, that's not the kind of wilderness I want to talk about this morning. In the New Testament, I believe Jesus redeemed the wilderness for us and we see a version of wilderness that's 40 days and is prompted by the Spirit of God. It's actually initiated by God Himself. So I wanna talk about a New Testament wilderness, and I wanna invite you to turn to, to Luke chapter four, and we're gonna look this morning at Jesus' time in the wilderness. And I believe that God, in this season, has been doing a few things in the body of Christ. He has led us, this is my opinion and perspective, that regardless of all the other agendas that are at play during this time, I believe that God's heart for his bride is good and it is full of love and that part of this season for the body of Christ has been a spirit-initiated New Testament wilderness, much like what Jesus walked through and that God has been up to some really good stuff, albeit very uncomfortable stuff um, in his body. So let's look at these first couple of verses Um, In Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says here that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is after his baptism, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Just say it with me there in your living room if you want to. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was, he was hungry. So I, I believe that this account opens for us the option that the Spirit of God um, is actually uh, involved in driving us into our, some of our wilderness seasons. Now, like I mentioned earlier, we'll talk about later We can end up in the wilderness wandering around in circles like the Old Testament because of sin and disobedience, but I don't actually believe that that's what this has been about for the people of God. I believe this has been a spirit-initiated season that's been marked out by the Lord because God wanted to do and has been doing a few things. Primarily, I'm going to talk about three things that I feel like God's been doing in this season. So if you're taking notes, um, here's a good place to start here this morning. Three things that I believe that God's been doing in the body of Christ in this season. Number one, we're going to unpack these this morning. Uh, Number one, he's been purifying his bride. Number two, he's been preparing his way. And number three, he's been positioning his people. So purifying his bride, preparing his way, and positioning his people. And again, I want us to take a moment to look back And discern some of what God has been doing in this season. Because I believe if we see it through his eyes and through his heart. That these places that have felt so hard and stretching and uncomfortable and puzzling. They will be redeemed in our image and in our minds. And we will emerge with hope. Understanding what God's been doing in this wilderness. So the first thing here. um, Purifying his bride. Purification. Purification happens primarily through two different ways I want to talk about this morning. Purification happens through fasting and through fire. Okay, I want to talk about this idea of detoxification. So let's talk about an actual physical fast. When you deprive yourself from eating food for a period of time, which happened to Jesus in his 40-day wilderness that was led by the Spirit of God, he didn't eat food. When we are stripped from our physical sustenance, our bodies enter into a detoxification process internally that actually shifts the inner chemistry of our physical bodies. Our body takes advantage of not having to use energy to process our food to enter into a cleansing mode, a deep clean of some of the junk that has just accumulated In our cells. So if you've ever fasted and you've gotten like, you know, maybe near the end of your first day, you've started getting like intense headaches and things like that. Your headaches not because you're not eating food, your headaches because your body's entering detox and your body is taking advantage of you not eating to dump some of the the buildup and the chemical unhealthiness that is accumulated. So this season, for us, in a similar way, we've been stripped of our normal. And we've entered, I think, into a similar process on a relational and emotional and spiritual level. We are, we've been detoxing. In one way or another, I believe we've all experienced this discomfort and experienced some kind of shift in the atmosphere within us and around us. And if you've ever detoxed from anything, maybe it's drugs or alcohol or coffee if you've detoxed from prescription medication, you know that it is very uncomfortable and it is very disorienting and it is very all-consuming to be in a detox. And if I could sum up the last two months of quarantine for me personally, those would be the two of the first words that I would choose. Actually, would be uncomfortable and disorienting. Now, I'm not going to dive into my personal journey here, but the words of Second Corinthians four, you know, I've been. Uh, pressed and crushed. I've been uh, struck down. I'm going to flip there real quick and, and read it. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Man, like many of you, I love God deeply. I cling to him daily, and I I consider myself pretty devoted follower of Jesus, but this season, man, it has, this pretty much sums it up for me. It has stretched me. It has pressed me. It has perplexed me like no other. It has felt like a Many, many slow deaths in, in various ways. I mean, we've been sheltering in place with five precious, amazing children trying to figure out homeschool and working from home and all this spiritual and emotional things going on. And man, it has been it's been stretching. It's been exhausting, if I'm being honest. And the biblical writers, they really just tell us to do one thing. They they say, consider Jesus they actually just point us to him. They say, hey, he's been there. Anything that feels like dying, just look at Jesus. Anything that feels like death and dying in the kingdom of God actually becomes a fuel for resurrection life. Any place that has felt stretched and pressed and perplexed, man, it's actually room for God to renew, restore, rebuild, and strengthen. And I would venture to say that if you ask Jesus What his forty days in the wilderness looked like while he was fasting, had the devil breathing down his neck. He might use the same words, uncomfortable and disorienting. He was a man, after all. It wasn't wasn't a charade. It wasn't. He really was fasting for 40 days. I mean, that alone, right? He really was in this place of the, the heat of the desert and the temptation and testing of the of the enemy. And I think that's why, again, the biblical writers just point us back to him, point us back to him over and over again and say, consider Jesus. Even Jesus had to endure the stretching, the discomfort. He actually endured to the point of shedding his own blood and and, and none of us actually have gone that far. And so the spirit of God says, you can make it. Look at Jesus. Consider Him. You can make it through the wilderness, and you actually can emerge with something beautiful just just like He did. Just like He did. I want us to go to the end. I know we're skipping a lot here in, in Luke 4, but the last verse of this wilderness temptation in verse 14, Luke 4, on the backside of this wilderness, we see Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Have you ever seen that? That the wilderness, he was led into it by the Spirit, and he emerged out of it on the other side, empowered, and a report about him went out throughout the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. I want us to see something. I believe Jesus has invited us into a wilderness to purify us, to purify his bride. What is accomplished through the wilderness? What is accomplished through trial and suffering? Now, we don't like to talk about this very much, but the Bible actually is very, very clear. One of the things that is accomplished through trial is refinement. One of the things that is accomplished through suffering is proven character. And I believe that Jesus is speaking words of comfort to his body this morning in this season. I believe he's acknowledging that purification is painful. Refinement is not enjoyable. I mean, just imagine the process of gold being refined, being heated up, the intensity of fire revealing and and removing the impurities so that this precious piece of metal can come forth in its purest form. And I believe that Jesus is saying to his bride that his heart is good and full of love for us, that he's led us into this season because he is coming soon to claim her for himself, and she will be spotless and pure. There is a refinement that can only happen by fire, a testing of our faith that Peter speaks of in First Peter chapter 1. I want to Look at these verses here for, for a second. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we, starting in verse 3, we, we see this worship arising. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. Now, I want us to see he's caused us to be born again to a couple things in this passage. Number one is to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Number two It's to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven. We've been born again to something that is being kept in heaven for us. The Bible calls us our inheritance as sons and daughters. Look in verse 5, though. It says that by God's power, though, we are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So because of this we rejoice even though now for a little while we are being grieved by various trials. See the biblical author is pointing our eyes to our heavenly inheritance. He is pointing our focus to this thing that is being kept in heaven as sons and daughters our rights as co-heirs with Jesus. He's pointing to the to heaven and he is saying, guys, Rejoice, get your eyes on heaven so that you can endure what is happening on the earth right now because for a little while these trials have come to test your, look at verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. So I wanna acknowledge the refining fire of trials and suffering is painful. And for many in this season, it has been very painful. The isolation, the depression, the confusion, the fear, the loneliness, the sadness, the suffering. My friends, Jesus was acquainted with these. And he, I believe, wants to speak tenderly to us and comfort us. I believe he wants to comfort us from this season so that we can emerge with hope into what is ahead. Isaiah 40, verse one. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. To Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Verse three a voice cries in the wilderness. Here we are again. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become a plain, uh, become level, and the rough places a plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall shall see it together. Do, Do we see in these few verses what's happening? The Lord is speaking comfort over a people that has been in an intense season, an intense wilderness season. He's speaking comfort over them, but then he is actually pulling their eyes forward and saying, make straight the way of the Lord. He's saying something is on the horizon. That brings us to our next point. He doesn't lead us into the wilderness just to purify us for the sake of our purification. He is is preparing his way. He's preparing his way. And throughout scripture, we see references to the wilderness, but do we realize that every single wilderness is followed by some great work of God? This is, this is where our hearts need to start getting encouraged here this morning, okay? We've been in an intense season. We've been in a wilderness. But every wilderness, biblically, is followed by some great move or work of God. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness tending sheep, which humbled him and prepared him to lead the Israelites into this great exodus of God's people out of bondage. The Israelites then spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, which actually purified them of their disobedience and unbelief and prepared the way for them to enter into God's promised land. But again, here we are in Luke 4, last but not least, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, which prepared and empowered him for the next three years of his public teaching, healing, and ministry. Guys, biblically, wilderness always prepares the way It always prepares the way for something greater that is on the horizon. And that's why we're looking at this Luke 4 wilderness here. Again, we see a wilderness that was initiated by God. We see that it was not the result of some disobedience because Jesus never sinned. And we see that this 40-day period of time actually prepared the way for Jesus to emerge into something new. And so I want to share something amazing with you that you may, you may have heard. There's this text message that's kind of been floating around. I did not write this. I did not come up with this. But it zeroes in on the significance of this number 40. And I just want to share this. I'm just going to read it. It says here, the official lockdown started March 23rd and ended on May 1st. That is exactly 40 days. The Latin root of the word quarantine is 40. So what does the Bible say about 40? Well, the flood lasted 40 days. We've already talked about Moses spent 40 years in Midian as a shepherd. Moses stayed on Mount Sinai for 40 days to receive the commandments. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We talked about that. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness after his baptism, and Jesus appeared to his followers for 40 days after his resurrection. A group of theologians think that the number 40 Represents change. It is the time of preparing a person or people to make a fundamental change. Something, this is again this person's words, something will happen after these 40 days. Just believe and pray. Remember, whenever the number 40 appears in the Bible, there is a shift, there is a change. God, I believe, is preparing his way. And in that Isaiah passage, there's this interesting phrase, actually, my dear friend. Ashley Hardy. Almost every time I hear Ashley pray, she prays this verse out of Isaiah forty. She says, "God, would you lay low the mountains and would you raise up the valleys?" And so, imagine this. I want you to picture that in your in your imagery. Part of the wilderness, part of the preparation of the wilderness, is He's making flat, level, and straight ground. He is preparing the way. So, the mountains, I believe, represent any area in our lives that is that is exa- that is. Um, uh, improperly exalted places of pride or ego there's a preparation where honestly and I mean for me a lot of what's been prepared in my heart and refined has been man just I've been humbled by God the high places have been laid low in my lives but the wilderness also exposes for us the valleys it exposes in our hearts the places of lack and the places of deficit and creates an opportunity for us to ask God to fill those places So the high places get leveled, the low places have an opportunity to be filled, and a way is prepared in our hearts and in the body of Christ for God to do a new thing. And so it is for this reason that I believe that the Spirit of God is perfectly fine with leading us into some of this discomfort. And it's so unique. Think about it. Usually our wilderness seasons happen individually. You know, you might be in a wilderness last year. I might be in one this year or last month. You know, it's like, but you consider it. In this season, the body of Christ in some way or another has all been invited into a corporate wilderness that was initiated, I believe, in some part by God. I'm not saying he caused this or he's behind this, but I'm saying I believe he has an agenda that trumps every other agenda. And part of the agenda, I believe, in this season is he's laying low the high places. He's filling up and he's preparing the way. He's purifying our faith. He's positioning us <clears throat> for power. But we gotta, i got to stop here for a minute and say the devil is an opportunist. And if we look at Jesus' temptation, the verses that we didn't read here in Luke 4 in the middle, we see that the enemy will always seek to tempt us in the areas, in the seasons where God is testing us. And it's interesting, the words for testing and temptation in the Greek, they're actually the same. I didn't come up with this. I actually stole this from a guy named Erwin McManus who is older and wiser than me. But the Greek words for testing and temptation, it's the same word. It's the same word. It's interesting. Uh, How you respond determines what it becomes. So if you stand firm it becomes a test that strengthened you. If you give in, it becomes a temptation that derailed you. Isn't that interesting? The meaning of the word is also determined by by who sent it. God will never and can never send temptation at you. So anytime... A hard season that's come that that is meant to destroy you, it's always from the enemy sending temptation. but, but, But God can, and he will, and we see here with Jesus that he actually invites us into testing to prove our character and, like Jesus, to empower us on the other side of it. But I just feel like I want to acknowledge that for a lot of us in this season of testing and in this time of refining, Man, I I just want to say, there has to have been some intense temptation. And maybe some of you this morning are just feeling battered by the enemy. Feel like, man, in this season, you have been tempted up and down. I just want to invite you to dive into Luke 4 and look at Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider the way that he battled in the wilderness And see this one thing. The word of God is our only weapon in the wilderness. But it is an effective one. The sword of the spirit. We see Jesus sends the enemy packing and emerges from the wilderness in the power of the spirit. So the devil comes and he tempts him. Dive into it. We don't have time to look at each temptation. But the devil comes and he tempts Jesus in this place of his refinement and in the place of this testing, he gets—he really just comes to try to get Jesus to take a shortcut. He tries to get him to shortcut the process of being tested by God by meeting the, his needs prematurely. Man, what would have happened? I don't know, but what would have happened if Jesus would have given in? What would have happened if he would have... If, if the testing didn't have its finished result, thankfully, we, we have a different story. And we see Jesus emerge with hope from the wilderness. But I want to make a connection here for us. Every time the enemy tempts Jesus, he pulls out the sword of the spirit, the word of God. The only weapon in the wilderness is the Word of God. I think that's why, for some of us in this season, we're used to leaning on the corporate gathering. We're used to leaning on the big Sunday morning power worship experiment, where we're actually used to leaning on our friends and leaning on our life groups. But in the wilderness, were reduced to one weapon like Jesus. He didn't have his disciples in the wilderness. He didn't have a prayer covering. He didn't have his iPod. He didn't have Bethel worship on the YouTube. He had the Word of God treasured in his heart. And it was enough. It was enough for him to withstand. So, so look at this. We talk about um, truth and spirit. He used the Word of God in the wilderness to, to fight off the temptation of the devil. And he emerged in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that amazing? Guys, if we will actually root ourselves in the Word of God. We will emerge in the Spirit of God. And look, it might not still feel like there's any relief. You might still be battling and still be testing, and it might still feel this list, emotional, exhausting, puzzling, painful, pressing, intense. Guys, I assure you, it was all of those things for Jesus in the wilderness. But he clung to the sword of the Spirit. He sent the devil packing, and it was his commitment to the Word of God that enabled him to emerge in the power of the Spirit of God. Word and spirit. Truth and spirit. So if we are not rooted in the word of God, then we're not going to emerge much in the power of God. That's not a condemnation. That is an encouragement. It is an exhortation and a challenge. And then lastly, as as we wrap up here, he comforts. I want us to see here the comfort that comes to Jesus from God, and, and I believe that this comfort that comes to Jesus positioned him to emerge from the wilderness with power. So what, why am I saying comfort? I mentioned the verse from Isaiah earlier, but in Matthew's account of the wilderness, in Matthew 4 verse 11, okay, this is crazy. This is, uh, this is amazing. Angels, actually show up and minister to Jesus after the devil flees from him. Angels. Now, when we gather here on Sunday morning, we're used to inviting a prayer team up here, and we, we call them the ministry team, right? And we're, it's just here so that we can have an opportunity for somebody to, to pray for us, to bless us, to hug us, to speak a word of encouragement. Now, Raise your hand if you would love to have a ministry team on the tail end of this season. You would love somebody pray for me, man. Somebody just prophesy, give me a word of encouragement. Man, we we don't have that opportunity right now. We don't have that goal that that opportunity this morning. But I I want to encourage us. God literally sent an angelic ministry team to Jesus that ministered to him that comforted him and that strengthened him in the wilderness. And so I am hopeful and I am believing and I, we have been praying that this morning or this afternoon or this, wherever, whenever you're watching this, that God would deploy literally a team, an angelic ministry team to come and strengthen you, to come and minister to you in the way that only he can, to come and encounter your heart with comfort so that you can emerge from hope, and carry that comfort to others. That's the last point here, that he's preparing, he is, sorry, he is positioning his people. I'm going to invite the band up here as we close, and I want us to look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I know we've been reading a lot of scripture this morning, and, and, and man, praise God, hallelujah, and I, I hope that if there's things that have been speaking in, to you that you would go back, you would sink your teeth into the word of God, but I want us to read here a few verses in Second Corinthians 1, just as we respond. It says, it says this, beautiful, verse 3, again, blessed be the God and Father. I'm just going to kind of make this a, a prayer going into ministry time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. Church, I believe God has initiated and invited his bride in love into a season, a wilderness season. And it's been uncomfortable and it's been stretching in various times and ways for each of us. It's been, it's run the gamut of emotions, but he is, I believe, purifying his bride. I believe he's laying low the high places, filling up the valleys and preparing a way for some great thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's gonna look like or when it's coming, but God will emerge his bride from this season into some great days, I believe. And he is positioning us to be a part of it but I truly believe that just like Jesus in this wilderness, we, we need to let God minister his comfort to these places in our lives. I believe what this passage in 2 Corinthians is essentially saying is that as we let God comfort us in our affliction and suffering, it actually positions us to go forward as comforters for other people. But we can't skip that process of letting him minister us in these places. And so that's how we're going to respond this morning. We're just going to pray for God's comfort to come. And then we're just going to declare and sing his goodness. We're going to sing of his goodness over every place, over every place that's been stretched, exhausted, painful, puzzling, intense, over every place that he's actually restoring and refreshing and places where he's bringing rest and expectation and growth, all these things, guys, we're going to emerge with hope. But I believe there's a critical step for us here to receive his comfort, receive the ministry. So God, I just pray, I just pray that you would deploy your angelic ministry team to anyone that is listening to this live stream that's that's watching it later in the day, that's hearing the sound of my voice, that literally you would deploy your angelic messengers. You say in Hebrews that they are sent forth, they're servants of God that are sent out to fan the flame of faith in those that are called by God. So God, we just ask right now that you would deploy angelic ministry, ministry. God, I specifically ask, Lord, Where there's been deep loneliness, that you would bring the comfort and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray where there's been just the deep ache of depression, Lord, that you would come and you would bring the healing balm of the oil of the Holy Spirit, the oil of gladness that it would literally come and run over our heads and down our faces and into our hearts and our soul. I pray, God, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring the oil of gladness where there's been depression. God, I pray for every place that is weary from temptation for every place, God, where the enemy has come alongside the bride of Christ in this wilderness and has tempted her to shortcut and has tempted her to compromise and has tempted us to give in and to back down. Lord, I pray that he would flee in the name of Jesus this morning, that you would bind every place of temptation on earth and that it would be bound in the heavenly places in the blood of Jesus Christ for those under the temptation of the enemy, that he would be silenced today as angels rush in to comfort and strengthen and help. In the name of Jesus, we declare your goodness in every season. We declare your faithfulness over every place. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to allow us to feel short seasons of discomfort and trial so that we might be refined, so that we might come forth as gold, Lord, so that we might be prepared for the times ahead, so that we might emerge with hope into a new season, empowered by the Spirit of the living God for what is ahead. We just say, you're good, and we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.